This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash. Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags. First guy you get, first guy you get knowledge on here, Connor Frankamp. Kansas transfer. This is where Screen the Screener is starting the team preview with Connor Frankamp. We love Connor Frankamp. That just tells you how much we love Greg Marshall. If the first player we're saying is Connor Frankamp, he can bang it from three, 40%, much respect. But if Connor Frankamp is the first player we're mentioning, that tells you how much we love Greg Marshall. Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. That clip I just played was from our very first podcast this year, back four months ago, entitled Part 1 College Basketball Preview. Not the most creative title. The very first player that Gus and I ever mentioned on the Screen the Screener Podcast was none other than Wichita State junior Connor Frankamp. He transferred from Wichita State. He sat out a year. And two days ago, he led the Wichita State Shockers to the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament Championship and was named the tournament most outstanding player. Four months and 42 shows later, here we are, folks. Welcome to the Screen the Screener podcast where we talk all things NCAA basketball with you. I'm Mike Randall. You can find me on Twitter at FantasyWarriorMike, F-T-S-Y Warrior Mike. My partner, Gus Kearns, you can find him on Twitter at C Kearns, C-K-E-A-R-N-S. Gus and I believe in hard-hitting, deep-diving college basketball analysis, and we are not just going to talk about Duke and Kentucky and UCL, Louisville, folks. We felt to be true to our brand and who we are, we talk about all the teams, big or small. So, Gus, it all started four months ago with Connor Frankamp, and it has come full circle. How you doing, my friend? I couldn't be doing better. I can't believe we nailed the the, the preseason preview with Connor Frankamp. That's fantastic. What a, what a great uh, – thanks for digging into the archives and digging in the crates for that, Mike Randall. That's beautiful. So good evening, good morning, good afternoon, folks. Thank you for your personal choice of consumption of the Screen the Screener podcast. We are manufacturing this college basketball listening the evening of March 6th. The best time of year is finally here, Mike. First day of spring is about two weeks away. Daylight savings time is rolling on in. You get to spend more time outside with your family shooting hoops. Selection Sunday is less than a work week away. We aim to improve that commute to and fro. Thanks for plugging us into your car and plugging us in through your speakers. Uh, Maybe you're listening while you're washing dishes. Hey, listen, I love Dawn Dishwash. If it's good enough for the beach cleanup, it's good enough for my dishes. We are always thankful, so humbled, and honestly honored to chat NCA hoops with you, Mike, and our ever-increasing audience. Hey, ahoy out there, at Noble Golfer. Love the UCLA view and chatter. Good work out there. Nice. And ahoy out there, at Be Good Harry. We will definitely miss you in the pool this year. Stay strong, my bro. A10 for life. Happy to have you all tune in. I am so happy it's March and we are talking to our audience about the sport that we love most. 
You know, I was in college and I had to do a paper, Gus, on what the strongest power is. And I determined that the greatest power is time because time just keeps going. doesn't stop for anyone. Can't do anything about it. And in this case, time is our friend. It's been four months. It's been 42 shows, my friend. Our first year doing this podcast. It's been more successful we could have ever imagined. And here we are. Christmas in March is upon us. I- I'm so excited. So happy, so thankful. Oh my goodness, we uh, we we kid with our friends that we we call it, you know, whatever your best holiday is in March. So we occasionally drop Christmas, we we drop Fourth of July, we drop um, St. Patrick's Day, which is appropriate because it's in the neighborhood. Uh, maybe you're an Arbor Day guy. Whatever it is in March, that's usually what we label it with, just because we're just so giddy, and that giddiness is what makes the. March Madness so great. You're just giddy to look at your bracket. You're giddy to look at your team. You're giddy to cheer for your squad. You're giddy to cheer for your conference if your team is out of it. You're giddy to beat the guy in the cubicle next to you in the bracket pool. That's what you're giddy about, folks. And we feel we need to give you something. For those that have listened to us, we thank you. We, we appreciate you. If you haven't had a chance, please go to iTunes. Give us five stars. You can rate us on iTunes, Screen the Screener Podcast. We're on Stitcher. We're on TuneIn Radio. Email the show if you have some thoughts on what we should talk about, sdspodcast at gmail.com, and, of course, on Twitter at sdspodcast. But we wanted to step up our game. You've stepped up your game by following us, by sending us tweets from where you are, covering games, going to games, things like that. We want to step up our game. You will receive, folks, a podcast from us. Every single day leading up. Look, look I'm, gonna, I'm just going to jump in. Fingers crossed with Fingers the technology crossed. department, right? Fingers that's, cr- that's our technology. goal. Fingers crossed you will receive a podcast from us every single day leading up to March Madness. And we'll, we'll have our regular shows during March Madness, of course. But we're going to try to give you one every single day. We're going to talk about the qualifiers, the tournaments, some of the seating, some little nuggets about March Madness, about brackets. We love it. This is our time. We're bringing our A game. If you appreciate it, any positive feedback would be great. We're coming hard for you. No one loves March Madness more than us. No one loves the tournament more than us. We're ready. We're here. We're opening gifts. We're fired up. Podcast today, tomorrow, the day after that, the day after that. Keep it going, folks. So thank you for listening. We're ready to go. Gus, you want to bring your A game? Ready to go here? Because I, I, I think my A game is at the ready, Mike. Yeah, let's go. The time is upon us. Here we go, folks. All right, so Gus, I figure we should start with the qualifiers. So let's look at the automatic qualifiers. We have four. There are some games going on tonight, which we will talk about tomorrow. But let's start with the automatic qualifiers. I'm going to start, Gus, in the Atlantic Sun Conference. The team is Florida Gulf Coast. They're 26-7. and They were 12-2 and in conference this year. They were the outright regular season champion, and they were the tournament champions. You know what? It's always nice when that when those two couple each other. You never have any arguments. You never have any gripes. You love when the regular season champ is also the tournament champ, especially when the regular season champ was as dominant as Florida Gulf Coast was. Continue. Absolutely. They lost. And now let's take a look at their season. They lost two close games in Atlantis to Baylor and Michigan State. They lost at LaSalle in December after blowing a big lead. My point there is that they went out and they played some teams. Mm. Blitz their conference tournament with three non-competitive games. So not only did they win their conference tournament, they won it going away. So they've played some tough teams. They've played close games against Baylor and Michigan State. Their head coach is Joe Dooley, Gus. He's in his fourth season at Florida Gulf Coast. This is a dangerous team. Wasn't he on the bench with Self for a little while at Kansas? I think he was. Uh, yes, Gus, that's exactly right. Ten years at Kansas as an assistant, 2003-2013. He was head coach at East Carolina for about four years. He's been an mm. assistant at New Mexico, Wyoming, and he's t- taken over Florida Gulf Coast. And let me tell you, my friend, they haven't missed a beat since Andy Enfield left. The players, let's break them down. 
They're led by junior guard Brandon Goodwin, 6'2 guard averaging 18.2 points per game, 4.6 rebounds, 4 assists. Gus, he's had 13 games of 20 or more points. You know what those numbers are like? They're very Shake Milton-like numbers from SMU. That's who. That's what those numbers remind me of when you when you spit those back out at us. He's very explosive. He had a high gust of twenty nine against North Florida. He gets thirty one plus minutes per game, so he's always on the on the court. Fifty two percent field goal percentage, seventy nine percent free throw percentage, and thirty six percent from three point range. Great percentages. Uh, next up, sophomore guard Zach Johnson, eleven point eight points per game. He's got the most three pointers made on this team. He's attempted one hundred forty eight three-pointers, which is interesting because he got two other guys who've been in the 140s as well, so they have a lot of three-point shooters on this team. He's a volume shooter, only 60% from the foul line, but is flammable, Gus. He's hot and cold. I think that's how Florida Gulf Coast rolls. I think they ride the hot hand, and if he gets hot, look out, folks. You go to the front court, you got senior forward uh, Demetrius Morant, six foot nine, 11 points per game, eight rebounds per game, and then junior guard, then you got two guys who've been on the team for a while. Junior guard Christian Terrell, 10.3 points per game. He's got 143 three-pointers attempted. So Goodwin's got 146 attempted. Zach Johnson has 148. He's got 145. Three guys, Gus, that can sling it. Not afraid to put it up. And look, if you have shooters and you play that type of style, why not put the ball in your best shooter's hands? And that that is exactly uh, what Florida Gulf Coast, Coast does and what Coach Dooley has been trying to school. is like, hey, if we have an open shot from one of these guys, let's put it in their hands and put it up. And the last guy I'll talk about is senior forward Mark Eddie Norelia. Six foot eight forward, only nine points per game, five rebounds per game, but he has experience gusting at 20 points in the opening round win last year. Correct. He is the guy that is the holdover from the original Florida Gulf Coast team. Yeah. If you remember that team That's that upset, upset uh, Georgetown and then went on to, I believe, beat uh, San Diego State, he was part of that squad. So you know what he's going to do in the locker room? He's going to say, hey, guess what, guys? We can do this again, and here's how we do it, because here's how we did it in the past. I would probably be remiss if I didn't mention sophomore guard Ray John Tucker, who, if you, oh, please, please do. If you watch the highlights, had a mammoth dunk that broke the shot clock in the Atlantic Sun Finals against North Florida. It really was the shot with about two, three minutes left to put the game away. He's a big-time athlete. He's also 28 of 62 from three-point range, averages about eight points per game. I believe the rim and the stanchion is still reverberating from that particular dunk. That that was massive. He, I mean, he took off from what, like beyond, like the you know take the charge arc, just kind of rose up, and it was that was like an NBA dunk. That was that was legit. That, I was really impressed with that. I can't wait. I hope he has a chance to do that in the tourney. That's gonna be sick. Shaq used to talk about it. He said there are some guys who are dunkers. You have to hit them. Uh, on the ground because if you get yeah. them on their way up, they go higher. That's right. exactly what he did. That, that is that is the perfect example of what Shaq was talking about there. Absolutely. Gus, 2013, you mentioned it under Andy Enfield, who's now at USC. The Eagles hammered number two Georgetown and then number seven San Diego State, making the Sweet right. 16 okay. before they lost to Florida in a close game. Last year, Gus, they were in the tournament. They won their first four game again against FDU by, I don't know, 31 and then lost to North Carolina. Gus, this team is tournament-tested. They have experienced players. They're on a roll. They're hot. In short, who the heck wants to play Florida Gulf Coast in round one? Absolutely no one. That's who. They have athletes. They have uh, student athletes that have been there before. They have guys that can shoot it. They have a coach that's come from a winning culture, has created another winning culture, and built off the winning culture that already existed there. Man, there's a lot of things to like about this team moving forward. 
you do not want to see them uh, as your 13 or 14 seed if you are looking up as like, I don't know, like a, a three or a four or a five. You definitely don't want to see these guys on the other side of your bracket. Okay, next place we're going to head to, let's head to the Big South Conference. Winthrop Eagles, 26-6 and six overall, 15-3 and three in conference during the regular season. Another situation where the outright regular season champ is also doubling as the tournament champion. You always love to see that. You hate to see the tournament, uh, the, the regular season champion get cut off early in the tournament and then have people saying, oh, ho-hum, oh, that team should have been in. It would have been nice if they'd been in. Love that Winthrop carried through and got the double-double. They played real road games early. They won a true road game at Big Ten, Illinois, 84-80 in overtime. And if... You know, we're paying attention to things. There's talk of Illinois like being on the bubble and perhaps sneaking in if they can get a win or two in the Big Ten tournament. They lost at Tallahassee, 100-86. Close loss game at Dayton. Very brave taking on Dayton on the road. They enter the NCAA tournament on an eight-game winning streak. As Mike and I always like to do, let's just take a quick peek at the players. Gotta love the first guy we're going to look at. Keon Johnson, 5'7 guard. He's senior. He's a big-time scorer. 22 games of 20 points or more. Seven games of 30 points or more. He even has a 40-point game just to top it off against UNC Asheville and double OT. He's averaging about 22.5 a game. He's got four rebounds, 2.5 assists. About 40% from three-point land. He's put it up almost 200 times from three-point land. So he is not shy from out there, of course. 35 minutes a game. The guy is a beast. He will not be intimidated, even though he's 5'7". Uh, they also have junior guard Xavier Cooks. Oversized wingman, really like him. He can rebound about 16 points per game, and he averages just about nine boards a game. Jack of all trades, little Swiss Army knife, can do a little bit of everything for you. He's going to defend the other team's best wing as well. Really like him on the wing. Winthrop plays fast and enjoys getting up and down. Their pace of play is worth paying attention to. They will not be intimidated, and they will put it up, and they will not be afraid to get in a running gun if the team wants to run up and down. This is another dangerous team. I would not want to see them either on the other side of my bracket. Um, If I were a three, four, maybe a two, depending on where they put them, I I don't know if I'd want to mess around with this team early on, especially with the big-time scores they have in the backcourt. Yeah, Winthrop is a team that no one really gives a lot of credit to. They're in the Missouri Valley. They're in the Big South. They play fast. They get up and down the floor. Keon Johnson is one of the best players under six feet in the entire country. He's electric. Absolutely. Absolutely. They're going to shoot it a ton. They're not going to be afraid. Gus's team has a very middle Tennessee state-like feel to me. Mm -hmm. They're going to be Mm -hmm. active. Um, Watch out, folks. Watch out for Winthrop. I, I put them a notch below a Florida Gulf Coast and the team that you're going to talk about in a minute. But yeah. I still think they're very, very dangerous. I, I think that this is a legit team that could pull, here's my question. Could they pull an upset? One hundred percent. They're playing Absolutely. like Cincinnati in the five twelve game. Wouldn't he, I, and I and you know I love we know I love right, Cincinnati. Right, 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 right. Would not even blink an eye that it's tied with four minutes left. So that to me is a is a legit sleeper. I, I love Winthrop. Uh yeah, I think Winthrop is one of those teams where if you're looking for that upset, that early you know, that first round upset, they're definitely a team that you want to put your eyes on. 
just because of the pedigree that they followed the entire season of being the regular season champion and the tournament champion and having, you know, like a top level player like Keon Johnson. And really quick, as you mentioned it before, they challenged themselves. They played real road games at Tallahassee, yeah. like you said, lost a close game at Dayton, and they beat Illinois in overtime. And one thing about Illinois, folks, if Illinois is in this tournament over oh, Monmouth <laughs> and over Illinois State, here we go, folks. I will light up this podcast for 20 minutes. It will no longer be G-rated, okay? That is that is the quintessential thing, Gus, that I hate. Yes. You have dominance of Illinois State who just ran into our next team. You'll talk about in 30 seconds. Uh-huh. And and then you have a, a team like Monmouth who's undefeated, dominates in conference, loses a tough game to Siena in the semifinals. Illinois, P- nobody P- wants yes. Illinois in. Yes, that Monmouth game with Siena, that was a quasi-home game for Siena. Of course it was. And, and that, just thrown out. Is it well said, and it's exactly right. That is not what I want. I don't want Illinois in. If Monmouth had the same resources and was placed with the same money in the Big Ten, they would have a better record than Illinois. But you're making fun of Monmouth and saying you're poo-pooing them because they're in the, they're in the small conference. No way. I want my preference, small school dominance. Illinois don't even get in there unless Illinois State and Monmouth are in. Sorry, I'm done. Okay, just one more thing. I, I, I'm kind of with you here. Do you know Monmouth has won about 60 games the past two seasons? It's absurd. The, uh, folks, at some point, you got to put them in. I mean, give me a break. What, do, you, do they have to go 30-0 to get in? I mean, come on. I, I, don't know. I don't know what the answer is. But, you, again, like we were mentioning with these first two run-ins, um, with these first two teams, you hate to see the dominant regular season team get picked off in the tournament so they don't have an opportunity to represent their conference in March. You just, you, you, it, it breaks your heart. It breaks your heart for the kids, especially especially somebody like Justin Robinson, who's a really top-level player for Monmouth. But anyway, we can get to them a little bit later. And, and, uh, and really quick, us one more thing. Define yeah. dom- I'll define dominance. Zero or one loss in conference in the regular season. There's your definition. Mike Randall, Webster, look it up. Zero or one loss. That, to me, is dominance. I, I agree with that because you're going to get tripped up at some point along the way, whether it be senior day, whether it be an off day, whether uh, – you know, you had some sort of weather, some sort of bus malfunction. There's going to be some sort of hiccup that's going to lead to one loss. Mammoth ran into that too. I agree with your uh, definition of dominance. Speaking of dominance, let's go to the Valley, the Missouri Valley. Wichita State, 30-4, and 17-1 in conference. Only lost is to the team that they just beat. Regular season co-champs, tournament champs. They lost back-to-back games early on in the season. We, we mentioned this a couple podcasts ago when they were trying to figure out what in the world they were going to do without Ron Baker and Fred Vliet in the backcourt. They did not know what they were going to do. They were going to try to figure it out on the fly. So they lost close games to both Louisville and Michigan State. Uh, Oklahoma State uh, was not on campus after shooting 14 of 28 from three-point land, and then they lost to Illinois State that's Illinois State's like signature win that they're kind of hanging their hat on, they're hoping to get in on. But those losses that the Shockers took early were when they are not the team they are right now constituted today after winning the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament. So those losses are not – we shouldn't throw them out. They, they don't not count. They, of course, they're part of the resume. But if you're looking at this through a student-athlete's eyes or a coach's eyes – that is not the same team at all. And here's why. We're going to go through some of the players. Sophomore, 6'8", Marquise McDuffie was not playing this well in those games. He's averaging just about 12 points a game, about six, rebounds a game, uh, six boards a game, 
He's taken the most shots of anybody on the team. He's a very good free throw shooter late, 82%. I love the freshman point guard, Landry Shamit. 6'4", he's got some size, he's got some bounce, he's got some skill. He averages the most minutes on the team. Coach is really trusting the ball in his hands in tight game situations. He closes out games, 11 points per game, three boards, three assists. Love his game. I think he's going to develop into a big-time player. He is the highest-ranked recruit that the Shockers have had in program history, and he is proving it. Nine players average at least, I don't know, like 12 minutes a game and more, uh, more, including 44% uh, from three-point Uh, from three-point land in the Missouri Valley uh, tournament from most outstanding player, Connor Frankamp. Connor Frankamp is shooting it true. He's shooting it straight. He is shooting it with accuracy. The guy is an issue right now. Remember, he is the first player, the screen, the screener, gave you on this entire podcast adventure that we started, what, you said over like 40 episodes ago? Yeah, 42. This is number 42. Doesn't even seem like that. I can't can't even believe we've done that many. Listen, Here's my here's my quick take on Wichita State, and then you can you know you go off on whatever you want to go off on here. They're going to be severely underseeded. When they're severely underseeded, it's not only going to be unfair to the Shockers and the Wichita State program. It is also going to be unfair for whoever they're matched up against. Like let's say they're in, you know, because right now, like if we take a look at the metrics, and you know that Mike and I like taking a look at the metrics. Um, if we look at them on Ken Palm, they're a top ten team according to ken palm's ratings right now so if we go ahead and just use those as like the seeding lines that means they're like in line for like a three or a four seed but according to their resume that's not what's going to happen and that's not where they're going to get placed so it's going to be one of these situations where they might be the lower seeded team and might be a multiple point favorite in that opening round game does that make sense i don't know but that's what's going to happen and wouldn't it be really cool if they got in the 8-9 game, and you know who you want as that number one seed, right? You know you want Kansas in that number one seed if they're in the 8-9 game somehow. So I think Wichita State is unbelievably dangerous. I don't see any reason why they couldn't win multiple games in the tournament and maybe even make a deeper run like they have in the past. They are talented. They're spread out. You never know who their best player is going to be. I Coach Marshall is doing an amazing job. I can't believe he has this thing back up and running with two NBA players out the door. Unbelievable job by Coach Marshall and the program and the coaching staff. They are dangerous. This is another very, 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 very good Wichita State team. Yeah, very good. And the problem is people aren't really connected to it. I was listening to Mike Francesa today, and I have to tell you, folks, Frances is retiring this year, and that's a good thing. Because this guy used to be the guru of college basketball. He used to come on and do the March Madness first-round upsets. He doesn't even pay attention anymore. He's sitting there rambling on how he doesn't understand how Jerry Palm of CBS said if Wichita State loses to Illinois State, they're not in the tournament. He goes, they've been ranked all year. No, they haven't. They haven't been ranked all year. Don't throw those statements around. And then when you challenge it— They've been ranked the last two weeks. In the last two weeks. And then they, you cha- I almost tried to call, but it was busy. Then you challenge him all. He goes, that's not what I said. Okay, no, it's what you said. He, no, the point is I hate when people who don't pay attention to college basketball like to run their mouth. They haven't been ranked all year. They, they played a couple teams early on. They played two and they lost. They still should be in. They absolutely should be in. I believe that. But they have been under the radar this year. This is the fact that they've done well in the tournament in the past, the historical 
success. I think that is the tiebreaker in my mind, Gus. So if it's close, I think you should go to that. But let's face it, mm. if it's a new five guys, you know, uh, you can't say because the Celtics are good in the 60s that the Celtics should be in when they were terrible a few years ago. So, like, it doesn't work that way. But I will tell you this. If Wichita State is an eight seed, and they said that oh, he, he also, Francesca, said that he's their 19th in the, in the rank. The rankings don't matter. We know they don't matter. If you pay attention, I'll do what okay. he does. If you pay attention to what's going on here and you pay attention to the bracket preview, it's, it doesn't matter. They don't care about the rankings. But I will agree with him on this. If Wichita State is an eight seed, that's insane. Because I'm looking right now at bracketology for Joe Lenardi. You can't tell me, and I think I can speak on them, Gus, that Wichita State should be behind St. Mary's. You just you just can't tell me. Who is St. Mary's beating? Who they, they play Gonzaga. Hackman's on the bench in two minutes with fouls, and they get smoked every time they play them. So to mm-hmm. me, Wichita State has been more impressive in what they've done. You can't tell me that uh, Wichita State is worse than Wisconsin right now, who's in a free fall, even though they beat Minnesota at home. Congratulations. You, you can't tell me that they're worse than – who else am I looking at here? You can't tell me that they're worse than – gosh – how about how about how about Butler? Oh, Butler, I can't even get. How about no, how about Notre Dame? How about South Carolina as a seven? How about South Carolina? How about Creighton as a seven? How about I mean Oklahoma State? To me, Wichita State, they've got to be like a five six. That to me is a is a better spot for them. I think eight is too low, but if they do it and they're in Kansas bracket, watch out, folks, because of the interstate rival. So yeah, the whole Wichita State thing is going to be unbelievably fascinating on where they get placed. Because I think what they're going to do is they're going to actually rank them and seed them according to their resume. And because they did put themselves out there early and took those losses early, they had opportunities for big-time wins. They didn't up, They didn't obtain them. But they're a total different team now. If you look at their margin of victory, like their past 10 games. Yeah, it's like 20 points. Yeah, it's crazy. It's insane. They're playing out of their heads. Um, again, they are. Go- you heard it here first. They're going to be the lower seed. And they're going to be a multiple point favorite against the higher seed. Yeah, That's I agree. Going to, I yeah. Agree. It's, it's going to happen. Mark it down. Uh, last one we got, Gus. And to me, it's like those old boxes you used to have on Sesame Street where they play the music. One of these things is not like the other. We've talked about four teams tonight. We've talked about Florida Gulf Coast, the automatic qualifier from the Atlantic Sun. Winthrop, the automatic qualifier from the Big South. Wichita State, the automatic qualifier from Missouri Valley. I think all those three teams are live as underdogs. Totally. Yes. Last team, great run. I kind of think they're a little bit notched below. Jacksonville State Gamecocks, they won the Ohio Valley Conference Tournament. They were 20-14 and 14 overall this year, 9-7 and seven in the Ohio Valley East. They were third in that conference. They did beat Belmont and UT Martin to get here, by the way, ironically. Mm-hmm. They opened the conference play by beating UT Martin also. So even though UT Martin won the other side of the, the bracket, they, they just basically had their number. This is their first ever NCAA tournament berth. They became Division One in 1995. They used to be Division Two. Really, Gus, not a ton on their schedule. In terms of their players, it's really three guys. We're talking about Malcolm Drunwright, Greg Tucker, and Eric Dunham. Each one of them is about 11, 12 points per game. Uh, in terms of three-point shooting, all three of them let it go. Drumwright with 168 three-pointers attempted. Tucker, 190. Durham, 155. They 190? Sh- yeah, that's a nice number. That's a nice number. Whenever you get to two, I get a little, I get a little shaky. Yeah, I love it. it. Yeah. Um, they all shoot it straight. Hard-working team. This is the type of team, Gus, that I have trouble seeing. I mean, they're going to be in a playing game. We know that. But I, I have a hard time seeing this team winning that game. I mean, like I, I tend to favor teams in that game that, that maybe have a little bit more battle-tested. Jacksonville State, great story, great run, very happy for them. They will be an underdog to whoever they play in that playing game. And I kind of think they're just a notch below the other three teams we talked about. I agree with the notch below, and I think they're a 16 seed, a 16 seed can get. 
And hey, you know what they're going to have an opportunity for? They're going to have an opportunity to win the play-in, you know, that Tuesday-Wednesday game against another 16 seed. Why not take advantage of that and have your program say, we won a game in the NCAA tournament? That's what they're going to have the opportunity for. What else do you want as a program as uh, Jacksonville State? Like, that's all you could hope for this season. That's an amazing opportunity. Go ahead and take advantage of it and play hard, compete well. Like, put it up from three like your guys do and see what happens. Are they going to be an underdog? Absolutely. Uh, Is it going to be a tough battle? Yes. But, hey, welcome to the dance. Yeah. They They got their invite. Listen, you and I are praying that the day a 16C beats a one, we're together watching it, of course. Um, I just don't think Jacksonville State is going to be that team even if they win the playing game. But it doesn't take away a great job. They won their conference tournament, and this is what March is all about. So right. do, you, do you want to talk about that like, just like super fast? This is like my two cents on this. Sure. Because I feel like uh, we've heard this a little bit uh, bantered back and forth, whether it be on halftime shows or other podcasts, uh, maybe on some talk radio, like the value of the conference tournament. Yeah, the value of the conference tournament is enormous. Why would we get rid of these things? These things provide a moment for teams like Jacksonville State. That's exactly right. Not exist otherwise. And, and you, Fran, yeah, Francesca was ripping on it saying it's to make money. No, it's not. I agree with you. It's to get these teams like Jacksonville State a chance. As long as they don't bump out the top dominant team uh, in Illinois State and uh, Monmouth. You know what? Is that going to happen? Yes. But guess what? That's part of what we get excited about. That's part of why we love this thing. That's part of why it's compacted into this nice little package during this month. It's here for us to consume. It's here for us to enjoy. It's here for us to celebrate. Why not enjoy it and celebrate it? Why why do we have to poo-poo it? Why do we have to poke holes in it? Why do we have to find a fault with it? Like This works really well. Roll with it, people. Roll with it and enjoy it. Stop trying to make it better. Stop trying to um, find fault with it. It's really, really good how it is. And it's going to take an amazing idea that's a little bit out of the box to change the success that's going to happen this next month that we're going to follow for you guys. That's, That's my two cents. Doug Gottlieb had a magical minute. He did something today where he was talking about that very thing, which is what tor- the tournament is about the big teams, but it's equally about the small teams. We love the upset. Listen, what happened with Syracuse last year was great. Mediocre power conference team went on a run. That's fine. That's not what we get excited. They get excited for giddy pots. That's why they get excited. So you need those teams in. Mm-hmm. Conference tournaments are fine, and it gets everybody going. I think it's great. I mean, if you don't like it, change the channel. But you know what? We know you'll be watching when March Madness starts next Thursday. Exactly, and we know you're watching sometime this week as well. Hey, speaking of what you're watching, did you get to put your eyes a little bit on this UNC game? Folks, let's hit the news and notes and give you some big game lookout. News and notes from the hardwood. You know, Gus, I did not get to see it. And the reason I didn't get to see it, folks, is I was able, very fortunate, uh, my, my loving wife was said, okay, go have a fun weekend in Milwaukee this weekend. So left the kids at home, went out to Milwaukee, and had a great time with uh, one of our best friends, Gus and I, good old Matt Pizarras, who works uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks. And I just have to point out that what Matt Pizarras, the president, Peter Fagan, uh, GM John Hammond and the entire Milwaukee Bucks franchise is doing out in Milwaukee is outstanding. If you get a chance to go out there, they are totally building up the area of Milwaukee around the Milwaukee Bucks arena, and they are going to turn Milwaukee into this basically 
unbelievable hotel restaurant sort of area and i got a chance to go out there i saw the bucks win two games in a row against the clippers and the raptors got to shoot around a little bit with the uh in, in the practice facility it was just an outstanding outstanding time so gus i'm sorry i did not get to see this game because i was too busy enjoying the vip treatment uh in the in the club downstairs uh, and enjoying watching a uh, greg monroe uh, almost come to fisticuffs with Blake Griffin and, Saw that. and watching Spencer Hawes go off on Saturday on two huge wins. So I do need you to take the lead one on this one, my friend. Oh, no problem. Uh, shout out to Milwaukee. I hope that you enjoyed a bit of the champagne go Bucks while go. you were out there. Go Bucks go. Bucks go. go. Uh, all right. Those of you that watch know that it was a, a pretty epic game. Number five, UNC overcomes number 17, Duke, on senior night, 90 to 83. You know what we're going to start with? Have to start with Joel Berry II. He does it again. If you remember correctly, we called for Joel Berry to have a big game and be the difference maker in this game, and that's exactly what he was. The dude had 28 points, hitting five threes in the first half, and had a critical juncture late in the game to hold off the game Blue Devils who were looking to win this game and get some momentum rolling. Coming off a really tough loss at UVA, UNC wins the outright ACC regular season title and go into the ACC tournament as a number one seed with a double bye. Very nice. Get you guys a little rest. Isaiah Hicks proved his worth after missing the first Duke matchup, as you remember. He got his money worth here. 21 points, nine boards in just 21 minutes. The Kennard-Jackson matchup, which is like, you know, kind of player of the year versus player of the year. Um, I believe Jackson won player of the year in the conference. Um, but I bet those two guys went 1-2, maybe with Bonsi Colson mixed in as three. Matchup was dominated by Kennard. 28 points, five boards with like an array of tough runners. He hit a couple threes and he played 39 minutes. And he showed AB, uh, NBA scouts that he was ready. Oh, I know that you guys uh, like this. I know Mike Randall likes this. Here's my comp for Kennard, NBA comp. He's Manu Ginobili. He's got oh, a diverse – Manu, Manu you're oh, so Manu. Love Manu. He's got a diverse set of skills. He can shoot it. He can handle it. He's crafty in tight windows. He can take a bump. He's not rattled by game or environment at all. It's a great he one. He doesn't care. Great one. Uh, yeah, he's going to play in the NBA because he has that weirdo skill set that doesn't look completely athletic and jump off the page at you. But he's really, really skilled. But you know what? Barry was the best player on the floor. Coach K even called Barry that after the game. Super high praise. Um, Mike, any thoughts moving forward with UNC and Duke after this game, even though you know you were in uh, Milwaukee and Buckland watching Antetokounmpo do his thing? Just saw the highlights. I was surprised that Duke kept it as close as they did. So being the sort of Duke basher that I've been lately, I was impressed by that. That 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 showed me something. And again, back to my Jenga puzzle. I mean, certainly I think this was a step in the right direction. Um, I, I just think UNC is super good. You know, I look at these teams today, Gus. I, I started doing a bracket today, filling it out, of course. And I got a lot to say on number of upsets that each mm. bracket has had for the last 15 years. We'll get to that when we, when we get to our stuff at the end from uh, our good friend Jimmy Chitwood on Twitter. But uh, I just think UNC is so balanced. I think they have a great coach. I think they have a great point guard. I think they have a great scorer. I think they have a great rebounding team. I think they have a bench. 
I just, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm putting blinders on, but to me, UNC is head and shoulders above Duke at this point. Again, Duke has no bench. I know Frank Jackson. It's fine, but I'm just not sold on Frank Jackson. And Emil Jefferson has got to stay out of foul trouble just for this team to have a chance. So it's impressed that Duke hung around. They played very, very well. They kept the game close. I think UNC is is, is much better than Duke, but that's just my opinion. Uh, agreed. Uh, do we need to get into this Grayson Allen elbow thing at all? Yeah, the guy's an idiot. Uh, he's a total idiot, <laughs> and it's it's it's. <laughs> Stop. I love that you just came out and just went real simple. With Stop that. faking beautiful. around. It's not a fake. You're a cheap shot artist. That's what you are. You are a cheap shot artist. You kick legs. You flail elbows. You you do the head fake thing that I hate when people head fake. And, they, and he's not the only one who does it. And they get fouled. They pretend to get fouled or something. Enough. Enough with the elbow. And the thing is, it's not just an elbow to the chin. It's a trip. It's a groin shot. It's a pattern of behavior. Enough. He's a cheap shot artist. Um, but somehow he got through this the year. He's not going to come back next year. He's going to declare for the pros. Someone in the pro is going to break his jaw. But he got through the year because no one's going to hit him now because they're getting ready for the tournament. But that, that's – come on, enough. And, and listen, that game was a little chippy from what I heard, Gus. You were watching it, a little push yeah, and shoving. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's not just that. If, he, if this was the first time he did it, I have no problem with it. He's been doing this for two years now. Okay, en- enough with the elbows and the knees and the groin shots. And, the, you know, he, he, I feel like he's, on a, he's a defenser, defending um, – defensive end, rushing the offensive line and taking a shot at the knees. That's what he does. He's, he's cheap shot artist. That's it. And But he got through it, and if he continues in the NBA, someone's going to slam him through the ground like the Hulk. Or like Jordan Bell. <laughs> oh, dear Lord. Imagine if that happened. Here's my only take on this. I was teaching my daughter, who's a baller, thank goodness. She's a heck of a baller, by the way, folks. I wish you could see this kid playing with all boys. Just want to point that out. Yeah, she's playing with all boys, um, and they have them playing some zone defense up top. So, thankfully, coach lets her run point. Like Kyrie Irving, the ankle taker. <laughs> she. So we were just you know talking to her about you know splitting the zone and just taking it down into the lane, and then you know pulling up for your jump shot or looking for a pass. And then the thing that the biggest thing that we taught her was you're going to take a bump there. Like the the zone is going to collapse on you, and you're going to take a bump from some boys. Just hold your ground. And the the way that we taught her and coached her to put her offhand while she's dribbling, whether it be with her left or her right, is just to use it low by your waist or knee and just like as a bumper car, not to fish through or put up your elbow. Like that's such an unnatural movement that it really stood out to me, especially because I just coached it with my own daughter not two weeks ago and coached it over and over again. It just really stood out. It really cemented his legacy as, if you want to call it cheap shot artist, if you want to call it dirty, if you want to call it inappropriate, or if you just want to call it like poor sportsmanship. Whatever you want to label it as, it's that thing. And he can sell it however he wants to sell it. Coach K can frame it however he wants to frame it. Dude needs to get his game straight. Once you start hurting other people, you're crossing a line. I don't like that line being crossed. So Grayson Allen, again, we hold hope dearly here on Screen the Screener podcast. Get your game in order, man. 
Stop hurting people. He is Gus. He has no interest. I have no hope for him. He has no interest. That's what he does. That's who he is. It's the elbow. It's the knee. It's the back of the head. It's this. It's the ACL. It's the groin shot. That's who he is. Who, he's done enough time. He's been suspended. He comes back. He still does enough. That's enough. If I'm on the court with him, I'm going to take a swing at him. That's what I'm going to do. But the problem is now you're going to get ejected from the NCAA tournament. But enough. Enough with the groin shots. Enough with the yeah. head shots. Enough with the elbow. Enough. Enough with the phalanges. Stop. You know what's going to happen? It, like for real, this might happen. Like it might turn into a Draymond Green situation where he does one more thing and a ref just says, enough is enough, you're out of here, kid. And then they lose an NCAA tournament game. That's what's going to happen. It could happen. Like that, that's a script that he's, that he's writing for his own team and for his legacy right now. I know, and everything's okay if, as long as you throw your head back. As soon as you do something, throw your head back, pretend like you were hit also. I know, we, we've seen that game before. This isn't Copperfield. You're not a magician. Enough. All sorry. Right. I, I didn't want to talk a lot about this. I'm really sorry, listeners. I want to stick to the games and stick to the players and stick to the positives. But I, I just, that, that one action really stood out to me, especially because it hit home with me um, working with my own daughter on that exact move. Um, all right, so we mentioned UVA in the UNC rundown. And did you see that they held Pitt to 15 points in the first half? They ended up winning 67-42. Now, we won't go crazy here, but um, shoot the ball, London. He looked like the best player on the floor. He had 22 points. And Pitt has Michael Young, who averages 20 points, and Jamel Artis, who averages over 18 points. And they held the whole entire darn team to 42 points. I love that I saw the three-guard alignment with uh, Kyle Guy and, and Ty Jerome and, and Parentis. I, I think that might be part of the tweak that fixes the broken offense that we talked about, U, uh, UVA. And Mike Randall, go ahead, insert Jack Salt, please. Yeah, no problem. Uh, Kyle Guy is a weeble because uh, he doesn't go left or right. He's just a stationary shooter. Ty Jerome is, is a weeble. And London Parentis can't jump over paper, like I saw on the Caleb Swanigan special on Sunday morning. <laughs> the guy, the guy who was his... Uh, Coach was his adoptive father, said he used to not be able to jump over paper. Listen, great job. Uh, fantastic win by Virginia. Uh, the old walking off the court with Parentis and, and Bennett, arm in arm. That's great. They're not going far in the tournament. Congratulations. You shut down, shut down Pittsburgh. I think they're at third place in the league in New York for you know Westchester County. So that's great job, guys. Really excited. Jack Salt next. Number eight, Louisville, comes back <laughs> on the boards. <laughs> The top number 19, Notre Dame. Uh, Quinton Snyder continues his Joel Berry II impersonation with playing well in big games. He had uh, 17 points, uh, 16 dimes, and he had four second-half threes to help Louisville complete and close out the win. Uh, Math Yang had a huge game. He went for 18 and 11 in just 28 minutes. Nice job out of him off the bench. Uh, uh, Mitchell is now, like, it's usual. Like, he just goes for 20 all the time. He had 20 and 5, and he played all 40 minutes. Dude's a stud. Though we thought Notre Dame would be live here, and they were, but Louisville really displayed a mature endgame personality with a number of clutch free throws down the final minutes. Do you feel like Louisville's a little bit under the radar as a Final Four team, Mike? Yes, I do, because Louisville always gets better as the year goes on, minus the year they lost to... um Morehead State, I think it was in the first round. They almost always very get, good. They almost always get better, and they're getting better now. And so I, I think that they're a very dangerous team. I do think that they're bad sushi once in a while on offense, but Patino will figure it out. Um, I'm also really impressed with Notre Dame, and you are not going to give yourself enough credit. You said this game was going to be close. Yeah, it, it was close. I don't know if they covered or they didn't, but it doesn't matter because I remember watching this while I'm chowing down on mini sliders in the VIP room of the Milwaukee Bucks home game. 
And, and I'm sitting there going, wow, Gus was right. This game was close. I expected it to be a lot more of a, of, a, of a bigger blowout. Good job by Notre Dame. Good job by you. Louisville with a nice win. I, I think Louisville is under the radar. Boy, that draw is going to mean a lot, though, because here's my question. Mm-hmm. Gun to your head. You take Louisville or UCLA on neutral court. Wow, that's a great question. That's a question. Uh, I might go Louisville. That's fair. I might go. I think I'll go Louisville on neutral court. That's fair. Yeah, and that's what I'm. That's the type of game. That's the, because they're going to be a two, so they're going to have a three seed there. So that's the question. Yep. You take them over Duke. I would. Okay. That that's. I mean, that's that's how we're going to determine if they're going to get yeah. to the elite eight and beyond. That's the question. But I don't yeah, think they're getting. Ups, they're not getting upset in the first round. Is what I'm saying. They're, they're they're going to the Sweet 16 unless they drew somebody like a Wichita State or a Dayton or somebody like that in the second round. But I think they have a high floor. Yes, I think they're good. Okay, uh, I'm going to lump the next two games together because they had uh, similar circumstances and then also similar results. So we're going to limp together number 12, Florida, dropping a tough road game to Vandy, 73-71. And then also we're going to couple that with number 13, Butler, falling to Seton Hall, 70-64. to Now, both games are like the last gasp game. For both Vandy and Hall, right? This is like their last opportunity to get a signature win against a top 25 team, and in this case, a top 15 team. Uh, both of those teams have been ranked in the top 10 this year. Both unranked teams are still on the bubble even after these huge wins. But you know what? They took advantage of the opportunity that exists in these big conferences. Every once in a while, you run into an opportunity in these big conferences to pull up a huge upset. Maybe not, you know. Maybe not uh, numbers-wise or, or betting-odd-wise, but it is an upset according to the rankings. Both teams only get a handful of opportunities, so both Vandy and Hall took advantage of those with bumble, a bubble-popping games. Coach Bryce Drew has this team in the conversation for a March invite, something that Coach Stalling couldn't do the past couple of years. A win or two in the SEC tourney would definitely help. Luke Cornett looked like the best player on the floor which a number of NBA scouts will tell you is true with 25 points. How about, about, how about a couple more games like that from Luke Cornett to kind of firm up his NBA draft status? Hall, Seton Hall, also answered the Mike Randall bell. Mike Randall called them to the carpet, and guess what they did? Desi had 21. Double-double machine Angel Delgado had 20 and, 17, uh, 20 and 16. DeFrosh Powell. Hit some big shots late game. He hit a big shot with under a minute to go. And Carrington finished the game off at the line for the Hall. This is what we've been waiting for all year from the Hall. Does this four-game win streak help the Hall get in? And does that big win for Vandy help them get in, Mike Randall? A lot of thoughts on all four of these teams. I'll go one by one. Florida. Florida's good. Vanderbilt swept them this year. No problem. Sometimes the team has your number. Florida's played great this year. Mike White's a really good coach. Not concerned about Florida in the slightest. Two, Vandy. Guys, I don't think Vandy should be in. I'm sorry. Like, all of a sudden now we're turning this to the Hall of Fame. Well, if, if, if Burp Lilevin's in, then Jamie Moyer's got to be in. If Jamie Moyer's in, then Mike Mussina's got to be in. I understand that Vanderbilt beat Florida twice. I know. You can keep saying it to love, me five times. Love it. <laughs> okay. So now everybody's in. Let me explain to you what Vanderbilt is. Vanderbilt lost to Marquette to start the season. Vanderbilt lost to Bucknell. Vanderbilt lost to Butler. No shame there. They lost to Minnesota. They lost at Middle Tennessee State. They lost at Dayton. They lost at Alabama, Kentucky, Tennessee, and Georgia at Georgia four games in a row. Then they beat Florida. Then they came back and lost to Arkansas. Then they lost to Ole Miss. Then they lost to Missouri. Here's my point, Gus. Enough. 
They're, I don't care that they're 10 and 8 in the SEC. We're talking about the SEC not getting multiple teams at the beginning of the year. Now, all of a sudden, because Florida's really good, the rest of the SEC is great. I don't think so. Vanderbilt should not be in. I don't want 17 and 14 Vanderbilt in at all. Not saying that Bryce Street didn't do a great job. I'm not saying that at all. I just don't see them in. Next, Butler. Am I missing something? When has Butler become one of the top nine teams in the country? I guess when we see Butler, I guess yeah. when we see Butler, we right. don't care who they lose to. N- nobody cares. We just care about the big wins. You know what the problem is, guys? Those big wins usually weren't on the road. Usually, with a couple exceptions, they were at home. And it's funny. The NC tournament, last I checked, is played on the road. Let's go through their schedule, my friend. At Indiana State. Oh, <laughs> okay. I guess. What's their RPI? Negative Google? Fine. At St. John's. Is that a good loss? Uh, at Creighton. With Mo Watson. Won't say anything about that one. Home to Georgetown. Okay. Tough. Home to Creighton. Sons. Mo Watson. At Providence. Okay. And home to Seton Hall. Now, you're going to quote me the win at Villanova. You're going to mm-hmm. quote me the home win against Villanova. Those are two mm-hmm. excellent wins. I agree. Here's my point. They play in Villanova in round one? No, they're probably playing a mediocre team, right? Like a St. John's or a Providence or somebody Seton like Hall. that. <laughs> Seton Hall, maybe Indiana State. No, that's who they are. So to me, I have Butler Prime for a first-round upset or second-round upset. The idea that Butler is really good is a narrative that has been driven by these occasional fans that don't pay attention that see that they beat Nova twice. They didn't play. Fine, they beat Nova. Great job. They also have lost to some pretty bad teams, and I think they got to take a hit for it. Last one, Seton Hall. It's a great win for Seton Hall. Great win for Seton Hall on the road, in Butler, Hinkle, the whole thing. Great, great win. They have a lot of talent. I think Kevin Willard's terrible. I don't think he should be the coach, but they have a lot of talent. This is a team, Gus, that could maybe get hot in the NCAA tournament. So mm-hmm. it's a great win for Seton Hall. Butler, let's relax with them. Vanderbilt, no thank you. And Florida is still really good. Those are my thoughts. Love the rundown. That was fabulous. Uh, 100 club alert, please. 100 club alert. Number 14, SMU hits 103 against a pretty solid Memphis team. Here's my only thing on this. How is Semi Oljale not on the wooden final 15 list? Can somebody please explain this to me? If anybody has watched this guy play an entire game, or maybe even a couple of games this entire season, how is this guy not one of the 15 best players in the nation? I I don't know. It makes no sense to me. I'm a little upset by it. I usually don't get upset by much. This irks me. It annoys me. I think it's wrong. There's no way to fix it. But let's let's champion Semi-Ogile. I love that guy. I love this team. They're nasty. Well, I'll put you. Enough said. I, I, I love. I love when Gus gets angry. Gus, I'll put you uh, to the test here. I'm going to read you the top 15 wooden watch list. Who are you going to take out for semi Ogilvy? I uh, got a couple already. Don't worry. I'll, I'll read it too quick, then you go off. Lonzo Ball, Dylan Brooks, Bonzi Colson, Fultz, Ethan Happ, Josh Hart, Josh Jackson. Stop. Let's take Happ out. I know you love Happ. I would take him out too. Very good. I would also take Markel Fultz out. Okay, I, I, know, would too. I know he had 65 in high school. He's not in high school anymore. Okay. And by the way, he's not the number one pick overall, Miles Bridges is. But that's an argument for another time. It uh, is. Uh, no offense, Mr. Ball, by the way, which I saw an interview with Mr. Ball. We can get into that in a minute. Josh Jackson, Justin Jackson, Luke Kennard, Larry Markkinen, 
Frank Mason, Malik Monk, Motley, Swanigan, Nigel Williams, Goss. There's space for him on there. There's space for him on there. We could take a couple people off. He should be on that list. I take, La- I take Laura, Larry Markkinen on. He's been terrible lately. And listen, he's tremendous. The flying thin. He's a freshman. No problem with that. He is not better than Semi Ojale. He is not a better leader than Semi Ojale. So I agree with you. To me, I'm taking Fultz. I'm taking Hap off. I'm taking Markkinen off. And you could probably push me for Bonzi Colson if you really wanted to. I agree. Semi Ojale has got to be on there. I agree. Um, that, that's all say about smu really really quick so uh, mr ball was interviewed i saw this this weekend at the, uh, the ucla game and nope. um, they basically set him up because they told him that they got a chance to talk um i guess he played in college and they got a chance to talk to his coach who and they basically mr ball who's a very cocky arrogant guy is out there they're basically saying well we heard you weren't very good when you were there and you transferred and you know, like you could tell, like he's not comfortable in this interview, and and whoever's interview was just trying to do a nice job. But he's like, "Well, I transferred because they play too slow." Like he's already arguing. She's trying to say like, "Oh, the, your kids play with hard and this and that." But he was so angry that the interview like started off in a negative note that he got very very upset. Just it was funny. You know what? Just let your kids play. Do the talking, please. Just be a fan. Be a dad. Cheer for your kid. Every single basket he makes. Every single assist he passes off. You don't have to be his mouthpiece. Let his play do the talking. I, look, we, I just talked about my daughter and 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 how she's you know uh, turning and, and breaking the breaking the zone. That, no, I'm not going to go out and like tell the coach what to do. I'm not going to talk that she should be the best player. No, just let let your kids play do the talk. That's what you need to do. Set just settle down, take a deep breath, enjoy what you're watching like the rest of us, please. Your kid is amazing. He's a gift to college basketball. Enjoy what he's doing. And he's going to, Gus, he's going to cause NBA teams to think twice because no one wants to deal with that. No one wants to deal with your dad making comments and publicizing stuff against the team. I'm telling you, he's a special talent, but no one's going to want to deal with that guy. Uh, once you become professional, it's a little bit different. In college, you have some different, it's a, it's a different element. Um, once you become a professional and you get paid, it's a different ball of wax. Um, anyway, we can get to that later. That, I, I don't. We, we don't need to like totally go off on that. Uh, how about number one Kansas overpowering the number one Ken Palm of offensively efficient rated team Oklahoma State and beating them at their own game, ninety to eighty-five. That's right. We just mentioned UCLA. We we talked about UC, uh, UNC earlier. Um, Gonzaga's play, out playing tonight. Oklahoma State is rated higher on offense, according to Ken Palm, than all of those amazing offensive teams. Crazy, right? I guess it's not so crazy when you have Coach Underwood and point guard Jawan Evans. Both Evans and Mason balled out here big time. Can we just get something out of the way right away? Can we just please put Frank Mason on first team All American right now and just be done with it? Are we good? With, is everybody good with that? Everybody good with that out there? Are we all good? Everybody nodding your head in agreement? Yes. Okay, great, perfect. Let's just get that done and be done with it. And while we're at it, can we just give Kansas a number one seed too, regardless of what happens in the first round of their tournament? Like, can we just do that too? Everybody nodding your head in agreement? Okay, good. Let's just get those two things out of the way. I'm great. nodding. Yeah, I'm nodding. Okay. Right. L- listen to this Frank Mason line. 27, nine assists, eight boards, three threes, 36 minutes, and yet only two turnovers. Very Monte Morris like. You know what's crazy, Gus? You know what's crazy? I'm sorry. Yeah. He had nine assists and two turnovers. That's four and a half to one. That ain't yeah. even close to Monte Morris. Right. I mean, that's a right. phenomenal business. It, it, it's I'm it's sorry. crazy. <laughs> he played out of his head, and it's not even like Monte Morris. Not even the same ball. Yeah. yeah I, can't, I can't believe it. 
Anyway, he's player of the year good. Uh, he's definitely in the conversation. We've talked about this a couple times before. Throw him, Biggie, Lonzo, Josh Hart. Like, I, I think you pretty much have your All-American team set there. You can argue on the fifth guy. Maybe Dylan Brooks is in there. Who knows? Um, Oak State is good. They're going to win a game. They might win two games in March for sure. They have great coaching. They have an unbelievable difference maker. And they have a Robin, Jeffrey Carroll, who had 27 in this game, to Evans's Batman. By the way, Mike, a little bit off topic here. Uh, favorite Batman character or movie or, or, or some sort of Batman thought for you? Adam West, not even close. The TV show. I wouldn't go to the movies. It's Adam West. Adam wow. West and Burt Ward. Love it. Did you like the like the the pow and like the the action words that love popped? It. Up? Love like, that yeah. Burgess Meredith is the Penguin, Caesar Romano is the Joker. We can go on and on. And a very wow. And Mister Freeze was very underrated. I, I, King Tut, I, you're you're taking me off topic here. I'm sorry. I love Adam West. <laughs> That's great. I loved uh, the recent Dark Knight with Christian Bale. It's just dark enough with some uh, you know Far East flair, and they went Raza Ghoul, which is like a, a non traditional bad guy. Uh, which was pretty cool. And then the Scarecrow was like a little bit creepy. I, I kind of like that whole situation. All right, so uh, listeners, we got some quick hitters for you here. We're not going to do a rundown of every game and drive you guys crazy. Here are the quick hitters of the other games that went down over the weekend that we thought were kind of important that you guys want to hear about. Number two, Villanova, 81 over Georgetown, only scored 55. Nova too banged up for another deep run, or are they just getting primed up? Oh, we, enough. These are college kids. These are 21, 22-year-olds. It makes them like they're 60. People talk about this. Villanova's fine. They're good. They're not tired. They'll rest in a month. They're totally fine. Love that take. Number nine, Kentucky. 71-63 over Texas A&M. UK is still flying under the radar a little bit, and it's a nice win with no monk heroics needed. What are you, what's your take on UK right now? If Fox gets healthy, watch out, folks. This team could make a run like the eight-seeded Kentucky did team did years ago they need a healthy fox otherwise they're, they're in trouble they're only going to go so far without him but they have a healthy fox with malik monk playing the way he is and bam inside this team is dangerous they're, they're under the radar kentucky is actually under the radar after all the preseason hype Shh, keep it down Just let them stay under the radar Suns sunshine state showdown number 15 florida state over number 25 miami 66 57 Winning without a ton from our guy, Jonathan Isaacs. He only had two points. How did they do this? Um, do you like either one? Do you have a feel on either one of these team, teams after this game? I'm off Florida State. I know we won the five or six games in a row, the ranked teams. I'm done with that. They're terrible on the road. They blow teams out at home. They didn't blow Miami out. I like Larinaga because he has tournament experience. I'm not really high on either one of these teams, but if you made me pick one, I like Miami a little better. Okay, fair enough. And then instead of a WCC uh, uh, West Coast Conference uh, double shot will go Pac-12 double shot, and we'll say a bartender, some anchor steams, please. We'll say a number seven, Arizona, 73 over interstate rival, Arizona State, 60. Boy, they are sticking to your plan of not blowing anybody out, huh, Mike? Yeah, they are. I still think they're dangerous. You know, there's some teams that you get fixated on, you think they're not yeah. good. <clears throat> Virginia Jacksalt. And there's some teams that you think are good, even though they're not showing you anything. I think Arizona is really, really good. I, I think they could put it together. And oh, by the way, where's the final four this year, Gus? Mm-hmm. Phoenix. You got it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be that bad. Number six, Oregon is over uh, wins over interstate rival Oregon State, eighty to fifty nine. So is Dylan Brooks going to get that last All American spot team uh, uh, team spot uh, after missing some games? That would be sick. He had twenty five, and our guy Jordan Bell had thirteen and ten. Uh, 
Oregon seems to be flying a little bit under the radar as well, don't you think? Yeah, they totally do, and so is the Pac-12 as a whole. I would not be surprised if the Pac-12 got two teams into the Final Four. Mm. Uh, Oregon and Arizona end up tied 16-2 and for the Pac-12 title. UCLA 15-3 and right behind them. Mm-hmm. This team is good. Oregon's very, very good, and they did that without Dylan Brooks for most of the year. Look out. Very impressed. All right, so we have just a short walk down Broadway because, as Mike said earlier, we're going to try to give you guys an update um, almost daily if possible. Um, so we're just going to give you two guys to pay attention, uh, two games to pay attention to the next couple of days. We're going to go to the Patriot League. It is Lehigh versus Bucknell for the championship and the invite to the big March dance. I'm going to say give me the best player on the floor. Give me Tim Kempton and Lehigh. The dude is awesome. He's averaging a double-double. He is an Eric Fawcett throwback. He mentioned him on one of our first podcasts when we had Eric in as a guest. So give me Lehigh. Give me a big game from the big man inside, Tim Kempton. And give me Lehigh moving on to March. Yeah, I'm not sure who's going to win this game, but both teams are super dangerous. Bucknell, the big one over Kansas years ago. Lehigh beats Duke. Whoever wins this game is going to be live in March. Yeah, love the history uh, attached to both of those programs. And another one we want to pay attention to, even though nothing's on the line for a championship-wise, I believe we really need to pay attention to them, uh, both of these teams, uh, because of March invites. Miami and Cuse play in an opening round game in the ACC tournament. Two two teams in need of a win. I'm going to say give me the best player on the floor. Give me Syracuse. Give me Andrew White the third, slightly over Bruce Brown from Miami as the best player on the floor. Um, give me Cuse with a good defensive stand with the with the zone and uh, Andrew White continuing his great play after going for forty the other night. Yeah, uh, this is a good one. Uh, ACC tournament now in Brooklyn this year. Very excited about that. Miami and Cuse. Not sure. I feel like the winner of this game can get on a run. I really am not sure who's going to win this game. I feel like it's a total coin flip. You made me pick. I'll take Cuse, but it's close. All right, fair enough. Those are the games that we want you to pay attention to in the next couple of days. Uh, And we just want to throw out one other thing that we're going to start talking about later on this week. We have some good geeky stats to throw out, you guys. I have some Ken Palm numbers that we want to pay attention to for big teams. I have some tempo numbers we want to pay attention to for big teams. I also have some uh, adjusted offense efficiency numbers we want to pay attention to for some big teams moving forward. So as you get ready to fill out your bracket, just know Mike and I are prepared. We're prepared to go with gut feel on what we think, but we're also going to give you some scientific, mathematical-based numbers on who you might want to put into your bracket. Um, I'm kind of looking forward to getting a little geeky with the guys a little bit later this week. What about you, Mike? Yeah, totally fired up. You know, I, I did a thing today. I went back. I f- started filling out practice brackets like I do. And I filled one out. And I think it was the East uh, under Bracketology for Lenardi. And I sat there and I had every favorite winning each game. So one beats 16, eight beats nine, five beats 12, etc. So I looked at it. I said, this is ridiculous. But it made me think, Gus. I said, I went back and I said, how many times has every team in a specific bracket or region you know, there have been no upsets. How many times in the last five years, 10 years, 15 years, has there never been an upset? So every favorite's won. You'll be surprised, Gus. Out of the number of years I went back, so 15 years, so that's 60 regions, Gus, right? How many times do you think the region held form with no upsets out of 60 times? 
seven times out of yes and what's interesting though my friend 60 interesting is if you go 2002 to 2006 it happened three times so in the first five years it happened three times which means gus in the last 10 years it's only happened four times so when you fill out those brackets folks we're going to give you some numbers we'll give you the breakdown love the stats but in the end before you hand it in step back and look at it and say is this possible and if you put all the top seeds through in a region you're probably doing something wrong. So there we go, folks. Thanks so much for listening tonight. We're going to podcast a day, Gus and I, every day leading up to March Madness, the best time of the year, the tournament. It's here. More automatic qualifiers tomorrow night. Quite a game. Iona Siena. We'll talk about it tomorrow and then some. We'll see you. Screen to screen. This episode is made possible by PwC. A robot may not be coming for your job, but competitors are coming for your market share. At PwC, we pair the right tech with the right solutions to help you gain a competitive edge. Reimagine operations from the cloud, fuel innovation with responsible AI, and detect risks before they become headlines. That's human-led and tech-powered. It's all part of The New Equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com.